Modern World History, Patterns of Interaction, Chapter 16, Section 1, Hitler's Lightning War, Setting the Stage. During the 1930s, Hitler played on the hopes and fears of Western democracies. Each time the Nazi dictator grabbed a new territory, he would declare an end to his demands. Peace seemed guaranteed until Hitler moved again. After his moves into the Rhineland, Austria, and Czechoslovakia, Hitler turned his eyes to Poland. After World War I, the Allies had cut out the Polish corridor from the German territory to give Poland access to the sea. In 1939, Hitler demanded that the Polish corridor be returned to Germany. Germany sparks a new war in Europe. At this point, as you recall from Chapter 15, Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin signed a 10-year non-aggression pact with Hitler. After being excluded from the Munich Conference, Stalin was not eager to join with the West. Also, Hitler had promised him territory. In a secret part of the pact, Germany and the Soviet Union agreed to divide Poland between them. They also agreed that the Soviet Union could take over Finland and the Baltic countries of Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. Germany's lightning attack. After signing this non-aggression pact, Hitler quickly moved ahead with plans to conquer Poland. His surprise attack took place at dawn on September 1, 1939. German tanks and troops trucked rumbles across the Polish border. At the same time, German aircraft and artillery began a merciless bombing of Poland's capital, Warsaw. France and Great Britain declared war on Germany on September 3rd. But Poland fell sometime before those nations could make any military response. After his victory, Hitler annexed the western half of Poland. That region had a large German population. The German invasion of Poland was the first test of Germany's newest military strategy, the Blitzkrieg, or Lightning War. It involved using fast-moving airplanes and tanks, followed by massive infantry forces to take enemy defenders by surprise and quickly overwhelm them. In the case of Poland, the strategy worked. The Soviets make their move. On September 17th, Stalin sent Soviet troops to occupy the eastern half of Poland. Stalin then moved to annex countries to the north of Poland. Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia fell without a struggle. But Finland resisted. In November, Stalin sent nearly one million Soviet troops into Finland. The Soviets expected to win a quick victory, so they were not prepared for winter fighting. This was a crucial mistake. The Finns were outnumbered and outgunned, but they fiercely defended their country. In the freezing winter weather, soldiers on skis swiftly attacked Soviet positions. In contrast, the Soviets struggled to make progress through the deep snow. The Soviets suffered heavy losses, but they finally won through sheer force of numbers. By March 1940, Stalin had forced the Finns to accept his surrender terms. The Phony War After they declared war on Germany, the French and British had mobilized their armies. They stationed their troops along the Maginot Line, a system of fortifications along France's border with Germany. There they waited for the Germans to attack, but nothing happened. With little to do, the bored Allied soldiers stared eastward towards the enemy. Equally bored, German soldiers stared back from their Siegfried line a few miles away. Germans jokingly called the Sitzkrieg or Sitting War. Some newspapers referred to it simply as the Phony War. Suddenly, on April 9, 1940, the calm ended. Hitler launched a surprise invasion of Denmark and Norway. In just four hours after the attack, Denmark fell. 
Two months later, Norway surrendered as well. The Germans then began to build bases along the Norwegian and Danish coasts from which they could launch strikes on Great Britain. The Fall of France In May of 1940, Hitler began the dramatic sweep through the Netherlands, Belgium, and Luxembourg. This was part of a strategy to strike at France. Keeping the Allies' attention on those countries, Hitler then sent an even larger force of tanks and troops to slice through the Ardennes. This was a heavily wooded area in northern France, Luxembourg, and Belgium. Moving through the forest, the Germans squeezed between the Maginot Line. From there, they moved across France and reached the country's northern coast in 10 days. Rescue at Dunkirk After reaching the French coast, the German forces swung north again and joined with German troops in Belgium. By the end of May 1940, the Germans had trapped the Allied forces around the northern French city of Lille. Outnumbered, outgunned, and pounded from the air, the Allies retreated to the beaches of Dunkirk, a French port near the Belgian border. They were trapped with their backs to the sea. In one of the most heroic acts of war, Great Britain sent out to rescue the army. It sent a fleet of about 850 ships across the English Channel to Dunkirk, along with Royal Naval ships, civilian craft, yachts, lifeboats, motorboats, paddle steamers, and fishing boats, joined the rescue effort. From May 26 to June 4th, this amateur armada, under heavy fire from German bombers, sailed back and forth from Britain to Dunkirk. The boats carried some 338,000 battle-weary soldiers to safety. France Falls Following Dunkirk, resistance in France began to crumble. By June 14th, the Germans had taken Paris. Accepting the inevitable, French leaders surrendered on June 22, 1940. The Germans took control of the northern part of the country. They left the southern part to a puppet government headed by Marshal Philippe Pétain, a French hero from World War I. The headquarters of this government was in the city of Vichy. After France fell, Charles de Gaulle, a French general, set up a government in exile in London. He committed all of his energy to reconquering France. In a radio broadcast from England, de Gaulle called on the people of France to join him in resisting the Germans. Quote, it is the bounden duty of all Frenchmen who still bear arms to continue the struggle, for them to lay down their arms, to evacuate any position of military importance, or agree to hand over any part of French territory, however small, to enemy control would be a crime against our country. End quote. De Gaulle went on to organize the free French military forces that battled the Nazis until France was liberated in 1944. The Battle of Britain. With the fall of France, Great Britain stood alone against the Nazis. Winston Churchill, the new British Prime Minister, had already declared that his nation would never give in. In a rousing speech, he proclaimed, quote, We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender. End quote. Hitler now turned his mind to an invasion of Great Britain. His plan was first to knock out the Royal Air Force, RAF, and then to land more than 250,000 soldiers on England's shores. In the summer of 1940, the Luftwaffe, Germany's air force, began bombing Great Britain. At first, the Germans targeted British airfields and aircraft factories. Then, on September 7, 1940, they began to focus on the cities, especially London, to break British morale. Despite the destruction and loss of life, the British did not waver. The RAF 
although badly outnumbered, began to hit back hard. Two technological devices helped turn the tide in the RAF's favor. One was an electronic tracking system known as radar. Developed in the late 1930s, radar could tell the number, speed, and direction of incoming warplanes. The other device was a German code-making machine named Enigma. A complete Enigma machine had been smuggled into Great Britain in the late 1930s. Enigma enabled the British to decode German secret messages. With information gathered by these devices, RAF flyers could quickly launch attacks on the enemy. To avoid the RAF's attacks, the Germans gave up daylight raids in October 1940 in favor of night bombing. At sunset, the wail of sirens filled the air as Londoners flocked to the subways, which served as air raid shelters. Some rode out the bombing raids at home in smaller air raid shelters or basements. This Battle of Britain continued until May 10, 1941. Stunned by British resistance, Hitler decided to call off his attacks. Instead, he focused on the Mediterranean in Eastern Europe. The Battle of Britain taught the Allies a crucial lesson. Hitler's attacks could be blocked. The Mediterranean and the Eastern Front The stubborn resistance of the British in the Battle of Britain caused a shift in Hitler's strategy in Europe. He decided to deal with Great Britain later. He then turned his attention east to the Mediterranean area of the Balkans and to the ultimate prize, the Soviet Union. Axis forces attack North Africa. Germany's first objective in the Mediterranean region was North Africa, mainly because of Hitler's partner Mussolini. Despite its alliance with Germany, Italy had remained neutral at the beginning of the war. With Hitler's conquest of France, however, Mussolini knew he had to take action. After declaring war on France and Great Britain, Mussolini moved into France. Mussolini took his next step in North Africa in September 1940. While the Battle of Britain was raging, he ordered his army to attack British-controlled Egypt. Egypt's Suez Canal was key to reaching the oil fields of the Middle East. Within a week, Italian troops had pushed 60 miles inside Egypt, forcing British units back. Then both sides dug in and waited. Britain strikes back. Finally, in December, the British struck back. The result was a disaster for the Italians. By February 1941, the British had swept 500 miles across North Africa and had taken 130,000 Italian prisoners. Hitler had to step in to save his Axis partner. To reinforce the Italians, Hitler sent a crack German tank force, the Africa Corps, under the command of General Erwin Rommel. In late March 1941, Rommel's Africa Corps attacked. Caught by surprise, British forces retreated east to Tobruk, Libya. After fierce fighting for Tobruk, the British began to drive Rommel back. By mid-January 1942, Rommel had retreated to where he had started. By June 1942, the tide of the battle turned again. Rommel regrouped, pushed the British back across the desert, and seized Tobruk, a shattering loss for the Allies. Rommel's successes in North Africa earned him the nickname Desert Fox. The War in the Balkans While Rommel campaigned in North Africa, other German generals were active in the Balkans. Hitler had begun planning to attack his ally, the USSR, as early as the summer of 1940. The Balkan countries of southeastern Europe were key to Hitler's invasion plan. Hitler wanted to build bases in southeastern Europe for the attack on the Soviet Union. He also wanted to make sure that the British did not interfere. To prepare for his invasion, Hitler moved to expand his influence in the Balkans. 
By early 1941, through the threat of force, he had persuaded Bulgaria, Romania, and Hungary to join the Axis powers. Yugoslavia and Greece, which had pro-British governments, resisted. In early April 1941, Hitler invaded both countries. Yugoslavia fell in 11 days. Greece surrendered in 17. In Athens, the Nazis celebrated their victory by raising swastikas on the Acropolis. Hitler invades the Soviet Union. With the Balkans firmly in control, Hitler could move ahead with Operation Barbarossa, his plan to invade the Soviet Union. Early in the morning of June 22, 1941, the roar of German tanks and aircraft announced the beginning of the invasion. The Soviet Union was not prepared for this attack. Although it had the largest army in the world, its troops were neither well-equipped nor well-trained. The invasion rolled on week after week until the Germans had pushed 500 miles inside the Soviet Union. As the Soviet troops retreated, they burned and destroyed everything in the enemy's path. The Russians had used a scorched earth strategy against Napoleon. On September 8th, German forces put Leningrad under siege. By early November, the city was completely cut off from the rest of the Soviet Union. To force a surrender, Hitler was ready to starve the city's more than 2.5 million inhabitants. German bombs destroyed warehouses where food was stored. Desperately hungry, people began eating cattle and horse feed, as well as cats and dogs, and finally, crows and rats. Nearly 1 million people died in Leningrad during the winter of 1941 and 1942, yet the city refused to fall. Impatient with the progress in Leningrad, Hitler looked to Moscow, the capital and the heart of the Soviet Union. A Nazi drive on the capital began on October 2, 1941. By December, the Germans had advanced to the outskirts of Moscow. Soviet General Georgi Zhukov counterattacked. As temperatures fell, the Germans in summer uniforms retreated. Ignoring Napoleon's winter defeat 130 years before, Hitler sent his generals a stunning order, no retreat. German troops dug in about 125 miles west of Moscow. They held the line against the Soviets until March 1943. Hitler's advance on the Soviet Union gained nothing but cost the Germans 500,000 lives. The United States aids its allies. Most Americans felt that the United States should not get involved in the war. Between 1935 and 1937, Congress passed a series of neutrality acts. The laws made it illegal to sell arms or lend money to nations at war. But President Roosevelt knew that if the allies fell, the United States would be drawn into the war. In September 1939, he asked Congress to allow the Allies to buy American arms. The Allies would pay cash and then carry the goods on their own ships. Under the Lend-Lease Act, passed in March 1941, the President could lend or lease arms and other supplies to any country vital to the United States. By the summer of 1941, the U.S. Navy was escorting British ships carrying U.S. arms. In response, Hitler ordered his submarines to sink any cargo ships they met. Although the United States had not yet entered the war, Roosevelt and Churchill met secretly and issued a joint declaration called the Atlantic Charter. It upheld free trade amongst nations and the right of people to choose their own government. The charter later served as the Allies' peace plan at the end of World War II. On September 4th, a German U-boat fired on a U.S. destroyer in the Atlantic. In response, Roosevelt ordered Navy commanders to shoot German submarines on sight. The United States was now involved in an undeclared naval war with Hitler. 
To almost everyone's surprise, however, the attack that actually drew the United States into war did not come from Germany. It came from Japan.